Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. Again, thank you for being in the house of the Lord. We're going to have a great time in Jesus today. Number 1, verse number 1, chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking. Where am I looking? I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. I'm going to preach to you today with the help of the Lord. We're going to take you back a little bit. Probably, I told Bishop, I said, we're going to kindergarten Sunday school class today. But I'm going to take you back. I want to preach to you this morning from this subject. It's too heavy. It's too heavy. You may be seated in Jesus' name. This portion of scripture in which I read to you this morning... It's quite intriguing to me because the passages before and immediately following uh, where we are taking our text from today are bookended by people who have been through some things. So you read Hebrews chapter 11 that Bishop Bingham always called Faith's Hall of Fame. Hebrews 11 is a group of people that have gone before us. They have already finished their race. They have already finished running their race. Their, their race has been run. We look at Hebrews 11 and it increases our faith. Because, for instance, you can, you can get into uh, Hebrews 11 and you can read about Noah. How that by faith he prepared an ark. He prepared an ark knowing what the Lord had said. Uh, Noah did not prepare an ark because he felt a drop of rain. Can we go to kindergarten today? Yeah. Noah wasn't building an ark because he felt it sprinkle. Right. He was building an ark because the Lord said it's going to rain and you got to get ready. Amen. There's a lot of folks waiting around for the sprinkling to start before they start working on the ark. And I'm afraid to tell you that if Noah would have waited for the rain to start falling, it would have been too late. I could preach this all day and all night, but we don't have time to keep waiting to see all the signs that we need to see we got to get ready. We can rejoice with Noah because we know that by faith we see very clearly that God restores the human race through Noah and through his seed. And all of this transpires because a man had faith to believe. But when you are in the story of Noah, we're reading by faith what happened afterwards. When you're reading the story of Noah, it's very easy to congratulate him, so to speak, with that Eternal handshake. Way to go, buddy. You made it. You finished your course. But it didn't feel as easy for Noah to rejoice in that as it does for us to rejoice in it when it's over because he was living through that. It's easy for us to read about Moses who, uh, having faith, by faith, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused. All of that was by faith. He had everything that he needed, everything that he wanted, everything that he could have rejoiced in, everything that put him in a different class of society. But by faith, 
He rejected the pleasures of this world. That's wonderful. We rejoice with that. We applaud him with that eternal applause. Way to go, Mo. You did it, buddy. That was big things. You did it. But while you're Moses wandering around the backside of a wilderness trying to figure out what's wrong with you, why are you so dumb, why would you make that decision, why did you leave, it doesn't feel easy to rejoice. So what I'm saying to you is that faith is not just something we read about that somebody else did to inspire us. This is a walk by faith that you and I are living today. I don't just want to be encouraged by the faith of somebody else and know that they made it. I want to know that at the end of my race, I fought the fight, I kept the faith, and I finished the course. We could read all day long of patriarchs and matriarchs of the faith that kept their faith and they endured until the end and they did what they had to do but what we see in the 12th chapter is not about those that have already finished but it's about those who are still running the race he said you are compassed with a great cloud of witnesses people are watching how you're running he said but you've got some issues in your life that are affecting your faith he said you have got to learn to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset you here's the powerful principle about the word of God the writer to the Hebrews does not just tell us to lay aside the weight he begins by encouraging us and saying there have been a whole cloud of witnesses that have gone before you that overcame the weight and they overcame the sin and they overcame the struggle and they overcame the problem and they overcame the trial I believe what the writer is saying right here is if they made it you can make it if they came through you can come through I feel like encouraging somebody today you may feel like you have tied a knot in the end of your rope and you're doing everything you can just to hang on let me preach to you this morning keep holding on you're just about to win it's almost over I know today the struggle is real. The trial is real. The mountain is real. But somebody else before you made it. And I've got a good feeling. You're. By faith. By faith, faith. Noah made it. By faith, Abel made it. By faith, Abraham made it. By faith, Sarah made it. How in the world, how, 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 how in the world did they do that? How in the world did they ever make that happen? Verse 17 of the first chapter said that Abraham was tried. Somebody shout that with me. He was tried. What? No, surely not the father of our faith. Oh, yeah. It's not just a story of encouragement for us. I'm telling you that Abraham was absolutely tried. But the trial was not greater than the promise that was within him. 
something has to shift in the mind of a child of God that said I may be walking a road that I don't want to walk and climbing a mountain that I don't want to climb but you servants stay here with the lad because we're going to worship what was Abraham really saying my promise is greater than what's standing in front of me I will finish the course faith Moses made it they finished the writer wants you to understand if they can finish <laughs> then you can finish now let's just get real today and talk about facts the facts are that when it's happening with us it's the worst that it's ever been Well, so-and-so, man, they had the same thing I've got. But, man, I don't think they had it bad as I do. Oh, we're awful funny. Think about now. I'm not trying to make light of anybody's situation. I'm not even uh, speaking specifically about a, a particular situation. I'm just saying you watch somebody when they lose their job. And they start immediately, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I've lost my job. And they live and worship in a church where people have testified for years. I lost my job. Thought it was over. But the Lord gave me a better job. Today I'm making more than I ever have. You know that testimony, when they give that testimony, it's not just to encourage you right then. There's some things that happen in this kingdom world that you need to tuck that treasure down in your spirit. Because you may come to a day when the boss looks at you across the table and says, sorry, we're out of work for you. But you can walk out of there and hold your head up and say, it's all right, sir. You may be my boss, but you're not my provider. God has already gone before me. God has already made a way. And if my brother made it by the word of his testimony, I'm going to make it by the word of my testimony. I don't, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Because this is, a, this is a difficult time. But just because this is the first global sickness that we have seen is not the first global sickness. Now I'm going to tell you something that's going to blow your mind right here. There were people that died of the bubonic plague with the gift of the Holy Ghost that had been baptized in Jesus' name. And it just so happened that was the end of their road. But it wasn't the end of them. And while we're looking around, I don't understand. I, I just don't, I don't understand fear in a child of God. I don't, I mean, I don't want to die. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I want to die. I'm just saying if the worst thing in the world you can threaten a child of God with is death. Hebrews 11, talk, it was talking about Abraham. You can go look yourself. It said he was looking for a city. Amen. Whose builder and maker was God. I mean, I, I'm not a fan. 
I don't like COVID. You know that. I think it's a cuss word. I think it's horrible. I think it's ridiculous. But the, the issue that I was worried about in the beginning of this sickness in the earth is what I'm seeing right now. Is that we're seeing it's really not as bad as we thought it could have been. Millions upon millions and millions and millions of people dying. There, it's only been just quite a bit lower than that. Um, personally having friends that I know that they, they did not die of COVID, but the numbers say that they did. And even with all of the elevated numbers, we still see it's not anywhere nearly as close as bad as what they anticipated it being. And so what it did was it scared us just long enough to be faithful for a season. And the same people that were saying, oh, I can't wait to get back in the house of God. I can't wait to get back in the house of God. Now they're at a place where they're sitting at home watching online every week saying, ooh, I can't wait till it goes away. I'm not, I'm not going to let the enemy hold me in fear and keep me from missing the will of God over something that people have already been through and made it. The point that I'm trying to get to you is that there have already been global sicknesses. We may be in one right now, and if the Lord don't come, there's probably going to be a lot more of them. But I don't want it to be said about the people who survived through the ones before that when they look back on the church of 2020, they say, Pfft. We know Abraham had a good report, but we finally found the Achilles heel of the church. I'm, I don't say this be ugly at all, but I want y'all to think about what would have happened if COVID would have happened 20 years ago before we were live streaming churches. I've heard people for seven months now saying, boy, I sure am thankful that we got live streaming. I am too. But it's not a replacement. I said I'm thankful for it, but it's not a replacement. You know what I believe? I believe if we didn't have cameras in this house, and I'm glad for everybody that's joined us, but there would be some folks 20 years ago, 25 years ago, that say, you know what? If it makes me feel better, so be it. But I'm going to the house of the Lord today. Look, hey, let me just tell y'all something. I don't care if the government mandates that everybody has to wear a mask to go to church. If I've got to put a bucket on my head to get to the house of God, it would be worth it to be in church. doesn't matter to me. I don't care if they make every one of us start wearing leather girdles around our face. So be it if I can come to the house of God. You know why? Because somebody that went before me made it and somebody coming after me is going to make it. And we're going to make it by faith. I told our team several months ago when things started getting goofy, kind of a little second round, I said, bad as I hate to, I really think that part, part of our answer may be over the next few months, we may not have any streaming because of people watching. You know, listen, I, I don't want to get sidetracked here because I got a word for you this morning, but I want you to think about this. I was telling, I was telling this church early in the beginning that the asset had a liability as well. 
because we're seeing that the internet right now is one of the most regulated spaces in the universe. I challenge you, if you don't believe it, to put something wholesome about godly perspective and views and just watch and see if people don't stop it. No, it don't have to be political. It, it really doesn't. I saw the other day, there was this cute little boy. He was a, a little black boy, about this tall, little, cute little old man. And there was a police officer that came walking by, and the little, the little boy stopped. And it, there was a white police officer and a little black boy. And the little black boy stood there, and he, he saluted the police officer coming by. And you know Instagram hid that on my account? And they said it was hate speech. But the internet's the safest place for us to share the gospel. There was a neat little thing that people didn't even notice when we first started. Really, everybody had to stream. I don't know if you guys even saw it. It's called auto caption. They immediately began transcribing every single service that comes across the air on YouTube and on Facebook. Right now, they're just a few seconds behind what I'm saying right now. If you don't believe me, turn your volume all the way down on your phone or what you're watching on right now, and it will immediately start transcribing everything that I'm saying, even if it's terrible, because I'm country. <laughs> ain't, no, ain't no little dude sitting in a black room somewhere, dark, typing really fast, trying to auto-transcribe, knows what, what in the world y'all doing. He don't even know how to type that. <laughs> they, don't even, they don't even know how to... They, they don't know how to correct all that. You just listen to what I'm telling you. It's a setup for the day that's coming. That when we keep preaching what we've always preached. One man, one woman. Adam, Eve, not Adam and Steve. We're, we're, get, we're getting set up for it. Now, we're not there yet. It's coming. It is. And there's going to come a day. The, the, the gentleman that was here preaching last week, he told me, he said, bro, I got down here to Indiana. I believe in America again. <laughs> He's from the West Coast. California. He, said, I can't, he said, man, we've been in California this whole time. I got out here in the Midwest and realized America's still here. Yeah. 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 Hallelujah. So what is it going to take for us to realize that people before us have made it? And we can make it. Look at somebody close, but just don't spit their direction. If you're a spitter when you talk, just tell them like this in Jesus' name. <laughs> Say to them, you're going to make it. Come on, tell somebody. Man, I hope you all ain't trying to convince me with that. Sister Ramsey, you're going to make it. Yes, 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 yes. Woo! <laughs> you'll make it. I believe we're going to make it, Brother Kevin. I believe we're going to make it. I believe we're going to make it. I said, I believe we're going to make it. I believe we're going to make it. Woo! I believe we're going to make it. 
I believe we're going to come out of this thing. I believe we're going to do it. I believe we're going to have revival. I believe we're going to see healings, miracles, signs, wonders. I believe we're going to see the waters of baptism trouble. I believe we're going to see them get the Holy Ghost by the hundreds. I believe it. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. So you can be seated. So there's a little, there's a little thing that happens when the church gets in, in trouble. Uh, when, or I, I shouldn't say the church gets in trouble, but when, when we kind of get our back to a wall, you got one or two choices, really. Those of you who have been around the church a long time, you know, I look around this room today, and I'm, I'm very blessed to pastor people that they were here when my grandfather came here in 66. That's amazing. I mean, that's amazing. That's a blessing. We got roots. We got deep apostolic roots in this city. 91 years of apostolic ministry in Anderson, Indiana. I thank God for that. But there's only two kinds of people when storms come. That's it. There's only two kinds of people. Now, I know TV preachers love to paint you a different picture, but I can't paint that picture. Here it is. You either make it or you don't. You're either saved or you're lost. You're in or you're out. That's it. That doesn't mean you don't get discouraged. Somebody ought to know today you can be discouraged and saved. You can be sick and be saved. Man, it feels so good up here. I wish I could get some just sprinkle it out there on your I feel it up here. Turn to somebody and tell them like you're really convinced. You're going to make it. So what happens is we get, we get in seasons where our backs are against the wall. Now, in my lifetime, the, great, the greatest showing until cuss word 19 that I had seen was 9-11. And the Sunday after 9-11, churches were packed. All, I mean, it was crazy. There were people making promises to God, ministries resurrected, and all kinds of stuff, and it, it didn't last. Because what happens is, once people realize that the danger and the harm that they're facing is less than life-threatening, so to speak, if I could just say that in a general term, the less they have to depend on God to make it, so the less they do, the less they depend on Him. And so... One of two things happen. You get stronger or you get weaker. Boy, the, I, I told you I'm taking you to Sunday school. You either get stronger or you, get, you become more and more weak as you go. I, I wish I had something really deep for you. Let me give you the Greek word for that. Would that help you a little bit? You either survive or you fail. I didn't say you mess up because everybody does that. Messing up is not failure. You can mess up and be saved. You can make a mistake and lead a comeback. I wish somebody just served notice on the devil today. You thought you had me, but my comeback is here now. I'm making a comeback this morning. Oh, I feel like preaching on Sunday. Devil, you thought it was a setback, but it's a comeback. I'm about to show you, God's not. 
He's not finished with me yet. I'm going to try to get through this. So, ministry feels the pressure then in the midst of chaos to start preaching against sin. Because sin becomes very prevalent in seasons of pressure. Because you either make it or you don't make it. You understand what I'm saying? Like your mind's either made up or it's not. And so you get in seasons of difficulty like this and your flesh gets really, really weak. And so sin starts happening. Goofy, man, goofy things start happening. And in the middle of chaos, you, you look at your own life and you start asking questions by yourself. Like, how in the world did I get this far? It all started with staying home because of COVID. And now I'm just lost as a goose in a hailstorm. Is that too real maybe? Huh? So we start talking about sin. I mean, just name it, whatever. Folks, listen to Pastor when I tell you right now. There are a lot more dangerous things than the virus in the earth right now. There are people that have not drank. God set them free from alcohol years ago. And they have become alcoholics again during this season. I don't know where you'd go to get trusted numbers. I don't know if it'd be Google, Bing, Firefox, what I do. I don't know where you go to get real accurate numbers, but I can tell you this. If you just look at trends, different numbers from different places, you see that since March till right now, we have never had suicides like we're having right now. Do you know what causes feelings of hopelessness? There's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to like this, but I'm going to tell you what it is. It's sin. When you, when you start buying into those lies, you feel so isolated. And the enemy will cause you to isolate. Even if you stop doing what it was that separated you in the moment. Even if you make the mistake, and, but you're too ashamed to come to church. Then you leave the house of God. You're not even doing what you were doing anymore, but you're by yourself. And when you get all by yourself and there's nobody around, then everybody hates you and your pastor's against you. And if I walk back in there, somebody's going to judge me. Well, here's what I want to tell you. If I'm in trouble, when I walk back in this house, judge me all you want to judge me. But I know where to be healed and I know where to be set free and I know where to find help. So just run that mouth. Judge whoever you want to judge. But I'm coming home to get healed. I know where I can get healed. I don't want to be distasteful, so don't misunderstand me. But God forbid my life ever fell apart and I ran off to another city and I was ready to be restored. Don't you think that I'm going to go up to the Eat Cereal on the Pew Church to get healed? 
I'm not looking for the church that has the best donuts. I want the church that's got the hottest bread. Oh, ain't nobody going to help me preach on Sunday. I want to go to a house where the healer is being preached and lives are being set free and torment is ceasing. I want to go where truth is preached. I don't want to go somewhere that sets up their swimming pool and has baptismal Sunday and makes you wait three months to get baptized. No, 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 no. I want to go somewhere that when you walk in and you're covered up with sin, they say, you ready to be baptized? I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin. Y'all, I feel it on Sunday morning. But our focus, it's, it's crazy because sin happens. But I want to tell you folks something today that's probably going to shock your britches. There are going to be people lost when the Lord comes that have never committed adultery. There are going to be people lost that have never drank the first drink. Pastor, where, where, where are you going with it? Listen, I'm for preaching against sin. You understand me? I mean, if Paul preached it, we need to preach it. Flee fornication, uh, adultery, what, whatever it is. Being drunk with wine, wearing his ex. All of, I believe all that. I shouldn't have to preface that. But Romans, the 12th chapter, cracks a little window on something that it'll mess with you. We know that pride comes before a fall. You can preach on pride. You can preach on arrogance. Get up and preach sin all day long. And I'm for that. But the writer to the Hebrews said this. He said, you are bookended on the backside by people that made it. On the other side of it, it was Jesus who made it, who endured it. For the sake of the cross and the joy that was before him. Now to you in the middle, in verse number 1 of chapter 12, he said, you... Need to lay aside. Watch this now. He did not even start with sin. He started with weight. There's going to be people that are lost. That have been faithful to their spouse. Not because of what they've done. But because of what they carried. I maybe should have stayed back here where y'all were dancing a while ago. Because now I've set you up to preach what I've come to preach. There are things that happen in your life that cause discouragement. And discouragement is not a sin. But discouragement can become so heavy. That you just can't lift your head. I haven't done anything. I haven't sinned against anybody. I'm just down. Any real people in here been there? You may be down over what somebody else did. But you're down. And it's heavy. And it's too much. And it starts off in kind of a cute way. And you pick it up at first, 
And you think, you know what, this isn't too bad. I'm fixing to get really real with y'all, so just put your seatbelt on. It's not big enough to keep me from running, really. But it's just big enough to get me attention. It's just big enough for people to say, man, what happened? Sit down. T- tell me your story. Woo. Have you ever noticed that season that we all come to? And I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching. I'm just preaching the body. Have you ever noticed that season we come to where we'd rather everybody know what we've been through than we would God to know we want it fixed? We'd just rather everybody know we've been hurt than we would to tell God, I need healed. Because we feel better that everybody knows our side. Woo! We feel better when everybody knows our side than we do. Just have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry. He will answer by and by when you feel a little prayer will turn in. You'll know a little fire is burning. You'll find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. For the four of us that know that song, I want to tell you what I love about that one. It said, I may have doubts and fears. My eyes be filled with tears. He didn't say I was sinning. He didn't say I may be committing adultery. He said, I may have doubts and fears. And my eyes be filled with tears. But Jesus is a friend who watches. Woo! Every morning and every evening, I've got my doubts and I've got my fears. But God's got eyes and he's got ears. He knows where I am. He knows what I'm facing. And he knows that I may be weighed down low. But just a little talk with Jesus. Oh! Now, Bishop, I'm going to need a support team here. I'm going to need you to help me because I'm getting ready to preach now. You know, it's not that it's so heavy. Now it's just kind of awkward. You ever said that when you feel weak that the little teenagers are carrying more than you when you're moving somebody? No, it's not heavy. It's just awkward. (laughs) You can only carry one three-quarter sheet of plywood. No, 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 no. No, it's just awkward. It's not heavy. But if you, I mean, you can help me. It's no problem. So we're, we're carrying, everybody doing okay? Are you with me? You're not going to fall asleep on me now? So I got it. Nah. Uh-uh. So over time, we start falling in love with the idea of where, where we are. And it gets, it really gets to the place where it's kind of comfortable. Now, I'm fixing to preach a mouthful to you, and I'm not even going to spit to the first row, okay? So I need everybody to just turn that ear up real, real sharp right here and let me preach to you. You can get so used to a feeling and to a way of life that what at one time felt so awkward to you, even when you tried to worship, now it's just normal. Can, can, Can I do this? Can I preach to you? When it starts out, we go from this on Sunday morning till I pick it up. 
I still got this. So because my worship, quote unquote, is still there, then it's still effective. No, it's not. It's leftovers. Because if I can't, if I can't give him everything, and this is what the enemy wants us to believe, well, then just give him something. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Well, I'm giving him my best. I don't know why he hadn't fixed it yet, but mm, I can't wait till he vindicates it. We like it. And so, after a while, we get so used to this that it don't really feel heavy or awkward anymore. Because we just got it. Can you give me round number two over here, Rev? Woo! See, y'all ain't ready for this now. I can't preach on Sunday morning. All right. It's not heavy. It's just awkward. Now I got bigger issues. But this one's big enough I can at least hide my face behind it. And when I shake hands with you, I don't have to look you in the eye anymore. I can say I'm all right, but you don't have to believe it because you can't see in my eyes. And I always turn in the direction of my weight so that can nobody see what I'm really saying. Listen to what I'm telling you. There is still value in being able to look somebody in the eye when you talk to them and you tell them that you love them. They need to know that it's real. So if you've got so much weight that you can't look somebody in the eye, you better lay that weight down. People need to know they are valuable to you. This is why I didn't start preaching this earlier. So now it's kind of awkward, but here's the problem, folks. This is round number two. I still got round number one to deal with. Can you help me? It's not heavy. I notice you don't worship like you used to. No, but I'm here. What's wrong? You got sin in your life? Nope. And they're not lying. I didn't do anything. I just can't forgive the people that did. <laughs> I'm it, I, it's not bad. I'm okay. Just say with me. And so, so we got this season now where the pastor tries to preach. We can't let nobody love us. We can't let nobody get close to us. And it's not because of any sin in our life. Come on. It's just wait. Just wait. Just wait. The last person that I let love me like that, they hurt me. 
And so if I carry this, then I don't have to let nobody in. And when I die, they may say, boy, he's a tough cookie. But you know what I miss? Can I be honest? I miss your prime. I miss those both hands Sunday nights. I miss those Sundays when you first came to God. And you didn't care what anybody thought about you. You didn't care if your tie was loose. You didn't care if your hair was messed up. You didn't care if you had all your bobby pins in or not. The boys are going to think you're goofy if you dance like that. Well, then they're going to have to watch me dance. Hey. I want to help y'all. I want to preach you young people for a second. Listen to some wisdom when I tell you. You got bigger decisions in your life to make than who you're going to marry. Some of y'all need to quit worrying about a mate and start worrying about your first love. If God wants you to have a spouse, you'll get it in his own good time. But for today... What's wrong with you? Nothing. I just need a man. What's wrong with you, man? I can't get no girls to date me. Maybe because they don't want to live your holy lifestyle. Have you ever thought maybe there's some people that don't want to pay the price that you're paying? And you probably ought to wait until God finds you somebody that wants to live that life. And if. <laughs> Where's my daughters? I just looked at one. Of, well, there's one of them on the camera. Where's the other one? I don't know. Honey, you can do this. I don't want to make you awkward. Come here. So here's what we do. Can you just. Rub my back a little bit. Because this, this is getting heavy. And we find that person in the church that don't have any answers about getting over it. But they have become sympathizers with our weakness. And they say, hey, can I help you carry that? And you're like, no, no, it's okay. Just rub my back. And so now we find the true problem with Hebrews 12. Because we're laying aside in verse 1. Every, that feels really good, but you can say, I mean, whatever you want to do. If you want to preach, that's good. <laughs> Believe me, I paid the price for that right there. It's legal. She can rub my back. <laughs> Marriage seminar starting immediately after church. So. I got, you can be seated, man. Ain't no sense in all of us being miserable. <laughs> Why are you doing this, Pastor? Because I watch y'all do this a lot. <laughs> it's amazing that y'all still love me. So we find, we find people that would rather see us, quote, unquote, happy than healed. And it creates issues in our world 
But in verse 1, the Bible said to lay aside every weight and the sin. Verse 2, right? Go, go back to the first verse. I'll, I'll start with that one. It's good. It said lay it aside. Why, why lay it Why is the whole, like we're, we're not going to do a big English lesson here. We, when we break all the preposition, that we'll break it all down. What's the whole point of laying it aside? It said lay it aside and the sin so that we can what? Run. Okay. Everybody agree with that? This ain't false doctrine. He said, lay it down so you can run the race with patience that's set before you. Right? And then the opening of the next verse, which I, I, you, you can preach, but it says looking. So here's the problem. When I got it, I can't run and I can't look. And so now, it's not that it's like that I can't come to church. It's I can't run no more. I'm trying, but now I've become more weary because all of my energy is not going into running. It's going into carrying what's keeping me from running. Huh. And then we get weary. Brother Gray, I, I'm not going to make you carry it. Will you open that door right there and bring me that little cart that's in, that, that's in the prayer room right there? Josh, I can't believe you'd let me do this, not help me. He's a sorry cousin. <laughs> Watch me. Oh, look at that man of God right there. The only reason I did that is because your wife said she can't get you to push a cart at home and work. I... <laughs> he said she's lying. Thank you. You're a good man. Whew. And so we get our apostolic cart. And it only lasts for about two hours at a time. We set it down, Bishop, long enough to get through Sunday morning. I feel good right now. But when pastors finish preaching so everybody doesn't know that I've really got the issues, as soon as I get to my car, my cart disappears. And I'm right back at the same battle. You know what you need, folks? Can I just be really real with you? You don't need a cart. You need a cross. Because we have become professionals in Pentecost at temporary relief when we serve a God of full deliverance. Man, I'm, I'm telling y'all, I'm preaching good right now. We have gotten to the place where we have started learning. We're like children that we tell to clean their room. They think because they move it off the bed, under the bed, that the room's clean. It's not. You just move the problem. And we move it long enough to get in the choir. But when we come down off the platform, listen, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. We've walked up around the platform and said, oh, God, please take this away from me. Take it away from me. Take it away from me. And when we come down off the platform, we know exactly where to find it. And we know right where to pick it back up. And we know exactly how to get it fit back into our lives. And so we finally get to the place. No adultery. 
No fornication. No drinking. Just weary. Because it's too heavy. And the last church we went to, that preacher heard us. And the last family that we trusted with our family, they heard us. And so now, I'm just done. I'm going to stay at home and keep dressing the part. Man, I, I wish somebody get, I'm preaching right now. If you saw me in Walmart, you'd never know the difference because I still love God. I don't want to make people uncomfortable, but I feel such a holy hand of God in this room right now. And I have a motive behind my madness. If you've ever been where pastor's preaching, but God brought you through, I want to see your hand today. So for the ones that I came to preach to today, every one of those hands right there are your proof. God's not through yet. He's not done with you yet. Looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Give me verse 2 if you don't mind. Who for the joy? <laughs> Woo! I'm so excited. I get to be crucified. You know what this verse tells me right here? We need to redefine joy. Oh, ho. For the joy set before him? Do you think Jesus was crucified for his benefit or for yours? Paul said, I would gladly spend or be spent. What if everything you're going through right now is so that someday somebody can look at you and say, you know what? If you made it and did not charge God foolishly, Then I can make it. Bishop, I got a little sign back here with a it's got a button on the end of it. Eternal I is a bright idea. I want it to be good. I want it flashy. I want this Broadway. These people are never gonna forget my production quality. <laughs> Just get up here in front of this pulpit and hold it, Bishop. I have no joy whatsoever. I can't find joy. It's been so long since I've had joy. I've given up on joy. Come on. Is there any joy in the room? And Sister Jenny's nodding yes. Because she can see what I can't see. 
She's one of those dumb people that just believe that you're good enough and God's big enough. See, I'm, I'm trying to give you a word picture right here. And I think some of you are picking up on it. Here's the issue. Joy has been there this whole time. <laughs> I just can't see the joy that's set before me because this is too heavy. But when the scripture said to lay aside every weight, I think the English may have messed us up there in that verse a little bit because the context of the scripture, it may say lay But that's not the real part of the translation. The Greek translation is only on the word aside. And the lay, the verb part, is the part that was added for the English translation to make sense. To lay aside every weight. And the word aside actually lends itself to the idea that you didn't lay anything down. You cast it away. So when I come into this church on Sunday, I don't need a temporary weight holder that can hold my weight until I'm through giving him praise. I need a heart of determination that said this is the last Sunday that I'm going to carry this around. And now I can finally see the joy that is set before me. But I've got no intention of going back to a cart to pick up what I laid down long enough to feel good. No, no, no. Today I laid it aside and now I found my joy. I found my purpose. I found my reason. I'm going to make it. Somebody in this house on Sunday morning, you're going to find joy again. You're going to find joy again. You're going to feel the Holy Ghost again. You're going to be baptized fresh and anew again. The joy joy of the Lord will be your strength. Come on. Declare it right now. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. I need joy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What a moment. To find out that everything I was looking for was there all the time. For the joy that was set before him, he endured. I want to tell you something that's hard for me as a pastor. But before you come to these altars today. I want to tell you something. It's one of the hardest things I've ever said publicly as a pastor. But I want to tell you, we have become so good at being your cart. The church has become really good at being your cart. We need some folks who will tell it to you like they used to tell it to me when I was a kid. Boy. I ain't going to be your excuse. If you're lost, it's on you. You know what they were doing? I didn't, I didn't think it was good at that time. You know what they were doing? They were saying, get that thing out of here and figure out how to cast that off. 
So here's what I'm asking today. I know this feels crazy. Listen, this has kind of become the shift in Pentecost. Altar call has become the cart because we wait until everybody comes and we're comfortable. Anybody here been in a service where a pastor didn't give an altar call, it just happened? And there weren't 29 people that came at once. There was one that stepped out. And the first few steps were heavy. But the closer they got, that first weight fell off. And that's woo, And that second weight got off. And about the time they got right here, the joy that was set before them began to pour out over their head. And they walked out of the house of God different than they walked in. That's who I'm reaching for today. I'm not reaching for the one that wants to come because it's comfortable. I'm reaching for the one today that's willing to say, Pastor, it's not really a sin thing with me. I know it could turn into that, but I just got some pride and some things I got to get out of my soul. I've got some bitterness in my heart that I've got to let go. And I don't want a cart today, Pastor. I want to be delivered. Josh, will you help me take that, buddy? Thank you so much. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Come on, don't wait for the song to encourage you right now. Some of you, it's not, it's not sin in your life. You're just cold. You just have not felt that touch of the Holy Ghost for a long time. Oh, God. Oh. In the name of Jesus. Come on. We, we can't afford to wait on the music. We, we, we can't afford today. Let's just wait just one second right here. I'm asking you today, if you're in this house, and you can't really explain what it is, you've just been heavy. It's just like, I want to break through, but every time I try to lift my hands, it's like, I just... I'm not in love with the world. I, I don't I don't want to be lost. I just can't I can't lift my hands the way I want to. Today you can. The joy. The joy has been set before us. I'm asking you today to just come lay it down at his feet. Say, God, I'm tired of my carts. I'm tired of reprieve. I'm tired of momentary forgiveness. I, I want to be delivered. I want to walk out of here in victory. Some of you are wondering today, at what point does it become too heavy? And here's the answer. If it's too heavy for you to lift your hands and worship Him today, then it's too heavy. If it's too heavy for you to lift your head and declare the goodness of the Lord, then it's too heavy. And so today we're going to lay it down. Come on, it's breakthrough time. It's breakthrough time for some of you. It's been a while since you felt His goodness. It's been a while since you felt that breakthrough because it's too heavy. Lay it down today.